Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, brothers and sisters around the world, it's your boy Christian, aka the esoteric noetic, aka the chocolate Nubian soul brother. Now, I have a very special guest here with me. That's Kenny Pellerantano. We're going to get into what's going on in the world. He's in Mexico. He's a fellow anarchist, a, a fellow Bitcoin or crypto enthusiast, uh, to be precise, and is a wizard in the most uh, insane sense of the word. This guy delves into a lot of different things. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get my podcast out there, be sure to tell your mom, tell your friends. Uh, you can give us a review on iTunes. I'm on the Spotify's. I'm everywhere. I also have a a Patreon account. So for those that want to get some extra footage, uh, get deep, we're going to talk about some very controversial things, which not all will be available to the general public, courtesy of YouTube and some other Momo uh, platforms. But if you want to get deep into what's going on, check out the Patreon. But uh, other than that, let's get it. Now, Kenny Pellantano is a traveling anarchist. That's something that I've recently become. He is a, he's a vegan chef. He's a healer, a life optimization facilitator. That's a freaking freaking cool term. You, you coined that yourself, bro? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, and he is also a music promoter and a community organizer. He is uh, behind the Abundance Tribe, which is a, a, a tribe on the Hive network, which we're going to get into. There's been a lot of uh, juicy stuff going on with that. And just in general, this guy is an all-around kick-ass awesome. He's a freedom lover, and he believes in spreading the good word. Kenny, how you doing, brother? Doing so well, brother. It's great to get on with you. I don't. I don't we haven't actually done this before, have we? No, we've we chatted haven't. so many times, but never, yeah. never in this way. I'm yeah, yeah, really looking forward to it. Likewise, it's a pleasure to have you on here, Matt. I've been following your stuff for it feels like maybe four or five years. My friend Lewis Mac, Mac Daddy, as I call him, put me onto you. Uh, he's a he's a fellow anarchist, freedom fighter, great writer, and just all around kick-ass person. McKeever on Hive, right? McKeever, yes, Lewis McKeever. So he yes. he invited yes. me to the Abundance Tribe, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is an amazing tribe on the Hive blockchain. It used to be on Steam, where a, a group of like-minded individuals, all about love, prosperity, freedom. Uh, create content to promote these ideas and uh, Lewis invited me on and I, I got in touch with this amazing soul over here Kenny and Kenny has just been uh, facilitating a whole bunch of amazing information I get a lot of my notes so if you guys are probably tuning in for me to get great knowledge there's a good chance I've probably stolen it off Kenny a lot of the stuff that I share is directly from him I'll see this guy making an amazing video on what's happening in the Bitcoin space or what's happening with uh, with the uh, you know the the, the pandemic, if you want to call it that. And I will, I will usually cite his stuff and give it my own kind of crazy spin. But Kenny, it is good to finally connect with you. What is happening in your world right now? Right now, man, the biggest thing is I just finished at yeah, the Greater Reset Conference here in Morelia. It was uh, five, five plus days of workshops talk connecting about you know everything permaculture alternative building technology communication authentic relating health health freedom i mean yeah every every topic having to do with kind of the the shift and really focusing in on solutions and actionable solutions and ways that people can connect with others who are you know working towards this and this is the third one they've had in uh 
a year now the the first one was a year ago and uh they're just knocking them out and getting better and better and bigger and bigger and it it was really an amazing crowd amazing space they had translators going live as it's coming in live translating it into spanish both for like the video and for the locals to be able to put on headphones and listen to it all in spanish and not feel left out like a lot of conferences that happen in non-english speaking countries where it all just happens in english and the locals don't get brought in at all and uh, yeah just a really amazing thing and now i'm kind of just relaxing and and waiting to see what the universe has planned as my next my next step uh starting yesterday or the night before the thing, options started kind of coming in and i'm just waiting to see what the juiciest one is sure you get a lot of invites to these conferences. It seems like you're always traveling around the world or around the states to these freedom or conscious expansive uh, uh, events. I mean, it, how, how did you get involved in this whole space? I mean, I've only been aware of Anacapulco, which is probably the big one for anyone that is in the freedom movement, but it seems there are a lot of these events and you do often seem to be at the center of this stuff. How'd you get involved in that stuff? Um, well, I mean, my first one was Anarchapulco in 2015 for the very first one of those real small, like a hundred of us. And month, just a few months after that is when I, I, you know, quit my job and gave up my, my house and my bike and everything else and left for the rainbow gathering and just started wandering. And since then it's just kind of, you know, I, I have a spreadsheet of these events that I've been keeping up since 2015 now. And I just really like to find out about more of them. And, you know, for the first year, I didn't use money at all. And I just volunteered. So I just went and volunteered at like 20, 25 events in a year. And because that was like how I was eating and how, where I was going around. And I would, you know, live with the team for a few days before and after kind of, and I uh, just, yeah, built a lot of relationships that way. And it just continued going and I'm, you know, just really supporting the events, like always promoting whatever I'm going to. If I if I support it, then I want to support it. And even if I'm not speaking and if I'm not like involved in any way, I'm still going to, you know, shout it out on my blog a couple of times and I'm going to tell a bunch of people about it and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I've just gotten to know like everybody that runs most of these events now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're the you're the the connector guy. Like you have a lot of connections, obviously. I mean, evident with the fact that you started the abundance tribe a group of like-minded souls but because you've been to so many of these events uh it's it's great not just for being able to uh sustain yourself i guess i mean you, you mentioned you started off doing this stuff voluntarily but I, I presume you're you're getting some kind of income from these events but more importantly you're building this community and i i love it it's the your your story is is kind of like this mythical story of some guy just leaving everything you know and you, you mentioned you joined the rainbow rainbow gathering that sounds like some kind of a <laughs> metaphor for something that was an actual actual event though right like you went to that yeah. you, you sold everything so you're living the dream essentially you're one of these freaks that's in the best possible way you sold all your money you converted that to the bitcoin or the crypto and you're traveling the world doing what you love like one of these ancient troubadours playing music as well i, I know you're a music promoter music is your thing as well <laughs> yeah yeah i mostly i i'm in the background when it comes to music uh you know i'll, I'll do a, keep a little beat maybe or like backup singing but i love helping put on events and just helping musicians get their music out to more people you know helping you know helping them cover the cost to get an album finished if they need to just like all that little stuff to to help them spread the message better because i feel like music spreads the message so powerfully Absolutely. And I can I can have such a big effect just by like giving a little energy to help them do what they're already doing. Absolutely. I definitely feel 
that culture is a really important role when it comes to trying to sh shift the, the paradigm, the mindset that people have, rather than getting caught up so much in the, the knowledge, the information, um, which I, I know part of your work is about, like you, you, you break it down, man, you speak about some serious stuff, you know, but I think sometimes just making things cool, making freedom cool, whether that's through music, through performing arts or whatever other thing that the, the youngins might be into, that's a great way to promote this stuff, bro. So uh, I love what you're doing there. How has everything been? Because it seems like you're traveling a fair bit, given the situation. I mean, ever since we've been hit with this pandemic, uh, I, I'd imagine traveling would be somewhat difficult. I know it's a little different for, for you Americans, but for us Australians, bro, if you're trying to be like a, a hardcore rebel here, it's very hard to go anywhere unless you comply with mass mandates and the, uh, the juice mandates and a whole bunch of other things. You can't get out of this place if you want to keep your... Uh, your pure blood status in check, if you know what I mean. That's wild. Yeah, it's very different uh, in the states and in Mexico. And I haven't, I haven't gone to Europe or South America during this time, but I have a couple of friends that that have. And while there's some countries that are super harsh, you know, I had one friend that went to like Greece, then hopped to Rome, then to Belgium, then to France, and had you know one you know photocopied and edited little test card and that was it and it wasn't even asked for most places never had to test quarantine card? What, what do you mean test like card? Show, showing a negative test oh gotcha yeah. they, they, <laughs> they landed and like their friends were immediately like here you're gonna need one of these <laughs> oh nice There's, there is like an underground uh, kind of um you, uh, a world when it comes to getting through this mm -hmm. stuff you know because one of my other friends my uk correspondent um king peter that's his uh, alias was telling me about how if you go on the dark web you can find anything from fake boom shakalaka passports to a negative test or whatnot. So despite mm -hmm. the powers to be trying to restrict our freedom, there are always people on the fringe like you and I that will come up with ways to circumvent. Of course, we don't break any laws. We're law-abiding citizens. We always do as we're told here. We're on team. Meh, as I like to say. <laughs> but uh, you seem to have had, you seem to have had uh, no problem. Um, I mean, you, have you, what's the, what are some yeah. of the issues, I presume, if any, that you've run into just in terms of, I guess, doing your thing? It's been almost nothing for me, honestly. Um, but I also, I all, already wasn't really flying in the US because I don't like TSA and the body scanners and all of the stuff that has gone along with that since basically 9-11. Oh, wow. So I already didn't really, yeah. So if you, if you take the train in the U.S., uh, you don't have to wear a face diaper. You don't have to show ID. They just check your little QR code on your ticket. They don't weigh your bags. They don't check your bags at all. You know, like that's like I get like I hitchhike. I ride the train and I get rides with friends. So like none of those are affected. Uh, I've been back and forth to Mexico. I don't even know how many times. That was actually the last time that I flew in the States is I got a direct flight from Denver to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. I was the only person on the flight, March 20th, 2020, the day that they locked, they, they locked down the U S and they said that they were closing the Mexican border, which at no point has it actually been closed, but I got to be in a full on 747 as the only person I put a video up of it. I was the only person besides the flight attendants and the pilots. That's that's basically how my experience of it at all has been. That's Wait, like you were the only person. I thought you were going to say the only person not wearing a mask or something. Uh, like you were the only person no. on a plane. Is that what you're saying? That was yeah, even yeah. It was a private flight. It was a private flight for like hundred and ten dollars. Oh man, yo. So this is what it's like. Uh, 
flying in first class. I'm the only one on this plane because, uh, you know, this plane is mine. I own the ship. You could have made like a really cool video, man, selling that. <laughs> but <laughs> it seems that that is the case in terms of uh, traveling by train. This is the same case in Europe. Apparently, you don't need to follow many, even though you're technically supposed to follow these mandates. A lot of people don't. You can get away with that. They don't check your your, your boom shakalaka status. However, if you're flying um, here in Australia, if it's anything to go by, uh, first of all, you can't leave the country unless you get a special exemption. Um, I mean, of course you can leave, uh, but you need to make sure that you go through this experimental gene therapy. You know what the deal is. Um, yeah. But more importantly, they will make you wear a mask. Um, there are all of these guidelines, restrictions that you have to follow. And I think when you're going international, it becomes a bigger deal. But I also feel that where is the government, the media tell you all these things that you can't leave your home, you can't leave the state, can't leave the country. Uh, it's, it's about how enforceable these things are. And whereas I'm sure in your country or in Mexico or the States, there are a lot of like laws that have been openly just said by the media, but no one's really enforcing this stuff. So you can get away with a lot. Would I be accurate in, in saying that? That's definitely a big part of it. Uh, you know, there's there's whole states that have, you know, statewide mask mandates and stuff, but it's always up to that shopkeeper or that, you know, that employee to enforce that or not. And then they've also done done sort of a pretend that they're making a rule and like make an announcement. Like they'll say, you know, they'll, in the from the White House or they'll put out a little press release that says we're doing this. But then if you go read the actual links and you read through it all, like I have friends that thought mexico was closed like they thought the border was closed mm -hmm. for years like in people that i've met who thought it was closed for years now and i'm like no there's like you can fly in and out and you can walk in and out you can drive in and out at no point was any of that closed there's been limitations but not again like those weren't enforced even basically like they put limitations which weren't really enforced and promoted it as though they were like a full lockdown and people just assumed that they were closed and they didn't try to leave like they, you know, they just tricked them. Absolutely. That's the same experience that I've been having here in, well, first Melbourne and not so much. I mean, the same thing would apply in Brisbane, but uh, I don't know what the laws are specifically here, but it's the same case. Like a lot of people don't know what the laws are. You strike me as the kind of person that doesn't just take things from face value, particularly if it's from the mainstream media. So you'll do your research when it comes to the laws, the, the legally system, and uh, when it comes to the, the science, and as a result, you have a better understanding of what actually goes on here. And that's one of the things I, I respect about you, man. I, I know that you've been able to do a lot of things because you keep, um, you know, above the curve in your understanding. I mean, you were the one, you were one of the first people actually, um, just kind of going tangentially here, that started talking about the, the, the not the, lo well, the lockdowns, but more specifically the, the mortality rates, at least that I was following about what was going on here and where is we won't get into this in detail like you started questioning the narrative when this whole thing popped off i was like oh virus big bad lots of people gonna die i mean i didn't really care about it because i just don't have that mentality but i just i didn't even know what the mortality rates were were in terms of what were considered to be bad and i just remember thinking oh this thing is going to have a really high mortality rate but you started citing a lot of science from um from various different journals and because you were a lot more researched on this i started realizing oh wait a sec this thing doesn't seem to be what is being perpetuated by the mainstream media and uh yeah is that is that something that you've you've always done when it comes to information like you've always questioned the narrative you're, you're always the kind of person that would do your own research or have you always been skeptical about government that just comes as being a, an anarchist 
Yeah, I think may, the research side was something I built later, you know, in my in my modern life, uh, you know, but even yeah, as a kid and a teenager and a young adult, definitely I, 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 mean, I got kicked out of, I want to say 11 different schools. You know, I, I refuse to accept things like, well, that's the way it is, or because I told you so, or that's the rule. Like I was always demanding answers, demand, like explain to me why I should do this thing I don't want to do. And uh, yeah, so I definitely always had that skepticism. I mean, I part of, I'm pretty sure part of the long, long depression that I lived in for, you know, well over a decade was that I could see and knew how fucked up things were out in the world. And my parents didn't understand. They would like, we would, I would ask the questions and they'd be like, yeah, that is really bad. And I'm like, well, then why do you go along with it? And they would have nothing. And at school, they would, you know, either get to that point or they wouldn't even, you know, discuss it up to that point. And so I had like just completely given up on the world for the longest time because I, as a kid, I could already see like, wait, the people in charge are dumbasses. And they're pretending that they know everything. And everybody out here seems to believe them that they know everything. So we're fucked. <laughs> luckily i don't believe that anymore because they don't actually control much and the people who just do what they say live in a totally different reality from me but yeah i'd say i definitely was always uh questioning the narratives and in high school i actually had a, a teacher who was awesome enough to show us loose change in class you know the 9-11 documentary so like i had some real real key, you know, benefits uh, along the way from some awesome people being in my life and stuff too, that helped keep me, keep you me on a, a good path. I just want to say you had a very cool teacher, man, because I mean, I know this was way back. This is probably during the early two thousands, but even if you can get a teacher back then to show you something like that, that's, that's a pretty big deal, man. Yeah. That's, it was yeah. great. <laughs> it seems like that's a common theme with a lot of uh, anarchists because we're considered people that are rebellious, you know, but fundamentally we're just people that I would say tend to question things uh, psychologically, I think these people tend to be uh, more uh, logically uh, consistent when it comes to their understanding of principles and so forth. And as a result, uh, yeah, I, I like what David Icke tends to say. He has this attitude that there are people that can see what's going on and uh, they're still within a small category of people, right? But then there are people that see what's going on. And if it doesn't make sense, they refuse to follow that. He calls it the renegade mind. It takes it another step further. It's like, if you know something is wrong or something doesn't make sense and someone is telling you to do that thing, then if you follow that person, you become a Momo, as I like to call it. David Icke doesn't say Momo, but he says you become an idiot, you know, essentially. And that's the, the attitude I think a lot of anarchists tend to have. People that don't just talk the talk, but decide they're going to do act accordingly. And you mentioned that what I find really fascinating is you live in a different world. I mean, you mentioned that where he's, in the past, you kind of just assumed things were effed up, right? Uh, but now you've realized that, oh, wait a sec, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can essentially um, curate your own environment and you not only have to uh, follow, you, you don't have to follow these, these mandates and stuff like that, but you can actually live amongst individuals that are essentially devo devoid of any of these regulations. How the hell do you make that happen, man? Because whereas I'm aware of this stuff, I don't know how to navigate myself so I'm not surrounded by momos and I, I'm not affected as much by this stuff. What's your secret, Ben Kenny? <laughs> well, well, there's, there's two sides. There's the, the underlying, the core side is just, I mean, I, I did a ton of research into this stuff. I did dive into it for a long time, but then after six months or whatever, I, I just like, I, I knew what was going on. I'm like, well, this is, this is just a puppet show. Like, it's just, it's nothing. So I'm just going to ignore it now. Okay. So I stopped feeding it my energy, but also just, 
like in the states, like the states alone, if you look at New York or California or something, if you look at the news about the US, you'd think it's really crazy. It's almost like Australia or the UK. In reality, that's not even remotely true. If you go to Utah, you will not see a single mask. If you go to Idaho, you will only see masks in the city of Boise because it's the college town blue dot city. Wow. You go to Wyoming, they didn't fall for it. Texas didn't fall. Well, Texas and Florida fell for it and then kind of like came back a little bit. There's more states that weren't really talked about as much that just never locked down. They just didn't play along. I mean, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, like half the U.S. either didn't play along or only did for a month or two and then canceled their stuff when they realized it was a fraud. That is so refreshing to hear that narrative because I was only aware of Florida, Florida, because some some overseas friends have been telling me that. But from what you're telling me, there are a whole bunch of states out there like Utah that don't even seem to be doing this mass thing. Because whereas I I realized when this thing popped off initially, a lot of people, I mean, when this thing popped off, I was wearing a mask only because no one else was doing it. I wanted to be cool. It was like, I felt like a ninja going on this friend's like, (laughs) and no one else is wearing a mask at work. I'm like, I won't wear a mask. But I literally had no idea what's going on. I just like being the rebel. If everyone else is doing something, I will typically just do something just to be different. But obviously now it's it's more than that. <laughs> but it is refreshing to know that there are people out there that aren't buying into this narrative. I think one of the problems we're seeing is that uh, besides the misinformation, there is this narrative that's been pushed by the mainstream that everyone is doing this thing. Like in Australia, they're telling us that it's above 90%, specifically in Melbourne, of people that have taken the jab. And... Uh, I have a feeling that it is nowhere near that amount, that it may be a lot less. And we know that the media obviously tries to push a narrative. It's a form of psychology. You know, if you can convince people that everyone else is doing it, they feel like they're the odd ones out. Most people aren't like me and want to fit in, right? Want to be on team. (laughs) So that works. But it's interesting to note that that's actually not the case. Like in the United States, from what you're telling me, I mean, we're still getting this perception that it's a big deal. Joe Biden tried to pass this uh, legislation where essentially all states had to be put under these mass mandates. That didn't run through. But it does seem like the the narrative been pushed is that the the mortality rate is still quite high. Obviously, we're not going to dispute the narrative there. But um, from what you're telling me... That's the science. (laughs) Yeah. I can understand why you, you seem to be more optimistic. I mean, when you really see what's going on, it doesn't seem as... Uh, untenable as what is made out by the mainstream. Is is that your assessment of what's going on? Like, if you can kind of give us your assessment of what's going on on the people front in regards to just on the freedom side of things, we don't need to go into the science. What do you feel is going on right now? And why are you positive if you are? Yeah, yeah, I'm very positive uh, on where I feel really good about where things are going. I think, well, like I mentioned, there's a lot of states, there's a lot of larger places that really just aren't playing along. But then there's also like within California, and within Oregon, and within Washington, three states that are very locked down, there's whole swaths of those states that aren't playing along, and where their cities or counties have made their own rules to push back against or where the people just don't obey at all. Uh, in eastern Washington, it's basically the eastern halves. The western half of Oregon and Washington is where the, the big blue cities are. And the eastern halves is all farms and stuff. You go out there, and there's cities, but you go out there and they have these signs on their businesses that say, the jackass in Salem said that we have to put up a COVID sign. So here it is. You know, like, <laughs> and they've, they've actually got like the man. 
mandate is there. They're supposed, you know, technically supposed to. They're putting their business license at risk. And but because that whole half of the state is doing it, they're certainly yeah. not trying to enforce that at all. Yeah. And, and then same like thing, a... you know, in Mexico. Oh, no, go I was ahead. just going to say, same thing here. Yeah. It's just interesting that on one hand you do things, but on another level, people know there's like a, an, what's called like a, a, a gentleman's handshake, kind of like underhand understanding, but not, no one's really going to abide by this stuff. So you kind of like, oh, wear your mask, you can take it off kind of thing, which is good to yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. And for me personally, like I, I really don't wear them. I mean, very, very few times ever uh, over the, like uh, maybe a day's worth of time over the last couple of years uh, altogether. And yeah. When I go places, it's very rare for anyone to even mention it, like even no matter the store, no matter the like what restaurant, whatever kind of business. And when they do, especially in the States, it's a little trickier down here because my Spanish isn't excellent. But in the States, especially when they do, I just respond like very calmly and politely. And I'm like, oh, no, thank you. And usually they're oh, just wow. like, <laughs> and they just freeze and I just walk by and nothing happens. No, thank you. That's powerful, <laughs> Matt. It's like, I love and just that. Like, it's like soft yeah like yeah no, thank you yeah because usually people are I, i'm in a more of a defense mechanism i'm like i feel like i have to justify myself you're like oh no that's just a suggestion no no thank you i like that attitude brother that's like the attitude of the wizard it's like now i'm gonna shift the paradigm over here but i tend to i actually like the debate the confrontation more often than not and i'm quite happy to explain to a police officer that i am exempt or you know get into this kind of legal discussion so as a test, whereas I was uncomfortable at initially because I wasn't sure if I was going to get put in jail. But like yourself, I did a lot more research in regards to the legalese here in Melbourne and what I can actually do. All the fines don't mean Jack, you can send most of the fines that are pretty much all the fines for the most part that have actually been handed out. The ones that have been challenged have never seen the light of day. At least the last time I checked this, this was mid last year. That was the case. But people just comply because they think, oh, big bad guy um, is telling me that I need to do this thing. But the, the point is, Whereas I tend to be more on the defense, like feel as if I need to justify it. It's interesting that you've adopted this mindset where everything is an option. And uh, that seems to be the, the voluntarist, the anarchist mentality. It's kind of like, what, you want me to wear a mask? What, you want me to take an experimental boom shakalaka? Oh, you want me to let you rape me? No, thank you. I like that approach, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i and i don't i don't lean away if they do want to have the debate you know what i mean it's just i find that being very just friendly and polite in in that situation throws them off so much that they usually don't end up trying to debate me or or trying to like push the point and when they do then i'm happy to you know my favorite response if they'll do it well we need, we need you to wear one blah, blah blah i'll be like oh sorry i don't take part in satanic humiliation rituals oh wow that's okay <laughs> <laughs> that is hardcore, bro. That is, I mean, the other thing I've heard from Maurice E is like, I don't take part in child sacrifice. You know, this is with people that are just wanting to, anyway, I, I don't, I'm obviously it's, it's complete nonsense. Like I can't believe that anyone would say something like that, that it would even suggest that going ahead with the narrative is child sacrifice or, you know, satanic ritual. <laughs> but it's interesting that people do take on that approach. Like, like you, w what's your, what's your reception been? They usually that, get really, really triggered. I would imagine <laughs> and, so, Matt. Yeah. Um, so it's option one, easy going. Option two, oh, bring it on. I'm throwing, I'm throwing it hardcore at you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and when that's happened, you know, I'll go back and forth with them because like, I, you know, as you mentioned, like I've been writing, writing about the science behind this yeah, since you know February and March of 2020. So Absolutely. I just start listing things off. I'm like, oh, so you've read this paper, you know, about these numbers. You're like, and they're like, uh, 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 I don't want to talk and... about it anymore. That's what I usually get. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I see your opinion. I want to talk about it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Bro. And then either, you know, either they, leave me alone or uh you know a couple of them will tell me especially natural natural grocers which is like a sort of nationwide chain that focuses on organic food and corporate headquarters has said like do not try to enforce this stuff but individuals still try so i've gotten in that with people there a couple times and they'll be like oh they're not going to check you out when you get to the front blah 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 i'm like no they will you can just go back to your break room like you need to calm down and I'll just go finish my shopping, walk up front, have a great conversation with the person at the register who's smiling at me because I'm not wearing a mask and I'll go about my way. Wow. You know, only, only restaurants, uh, at least in the States here in Mexico, it's a little tougher and like the big grocery stores have security guards at the front that won't let you in a lot of times. But in the States, it's only restaurants that I've actually been like refused service. And they're like, no, you have to put it on if you want to order from us. And I'm like, oh, in that case, I'm not going to give you money. There, yeah, that's the pretty much the same attitude I have. I mean, I've worn on the plane at a hospital. I, I actually, the only time it felt weird not wearing one was when I was in a hospital. And like, I, I forgot the fact that people, I mean, everyone's wearing a mask, but I just assume that I'm, I'm weird. If I see everyone else doing something, I don't feel like I have to comply because usually I'm, I'm, I'm the token black guy, right? So I just assume I'm supposed to stand out and be different. The only time, strangely enough, that kind of side note, that I've actually felt weird was when I went to Ghana and I saw all of these black people everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, they, they look like me because I'm so used to seeing people look totally different to me. And I felt like the odd one out, you know, but I'm so, I, I just, I guess I programmed myself to just assume that anything I do is going to be different, that it's just accepted. And it's kind of like, it's a weird psychological thing. Cause I, I look different. I act different. You know, I tend to be this black hipster that doesn't follow the trends. And when I was wearing a mask at this hospital, um, I didn't think it was a big deal until everyone just started, all these older women started walking away from me. And then the nurse got the doctor and, and spoke to the doctor, told the doctor asked me that, if I was boom shakalaka, right? And I'm like, why would he, why would he need to know that? And it was because I wasn't wearing a mask. The nurse obviously figured that was the case. And I realized that I couldn't actually see the doctor. It was just to get some, some BS, you know? But um, yeah, I, that's the only time I kind of felt weird because I started thinking, oh, I'm making a lot of people feel uncomfortable. But there's also the side of like, mm. I mean, this is at the height of things in Australia. This is during the lockdowns. Things have kind of step back a little but they've been ramped up a bit now but i was just so frustrated the fact that everyone was was com was complacent with this stuff that i was trying to make a stand you know it wasn't just a case of i'm trying to be different but um bro something i want to talk about with you because you are you were known uh, at least uh in, in the high community as the abundance guy you were you essentially are one of the main facilitators correct me if i'm wrong of the abundance tribe and whereas you you pop this stuff off on on steam it uh then you know we had a fork and there's this theme i keep finding within the anarchist or just in, in the world where freedom lovers anarchists like yourself we start something really cool you know whether it's a system of independence or a, 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 some kind of blockchain cryptocurrency and then it gets really popular all the masses get involved and they're like oh we want to we want to kick all the freedom people out and then they ruin it and then we have start something again and it, this is like the history of the world right it's like let, let's start these uh anarchist conclaves you know like the the two is in uh the, in in Ireland, right? And then, oh, wait a sec. Uh, later on, people are like, we don't want to do this shit anymore. Let's have states. And then the whole thing ruins. And I feel like this is 
been the case even with hype. You mentioned a while ago, perhaps we can go into this, that you had, you've experienced some targeting on the hype blockchain and that's taken away a lot of your income or at least some of it I mentioned. And as a result, you're, you're considering moving your efforts elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's more the targeting that I observed. Uh, I didn't start getting targeted until I started using my relatively large platform there to talk about what they were doing to other people. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing. Obviously, Steam, when it launched, had really terrible distribution. There was the whole Ninja Mine situation where Steam Incorporated had like 85% of the supply for a very long time. Can you, can you explain and, that with a bit more kind of layman attitude? Because a lot of people who watch this are momos like myself. Okay, know? okay. Yeah. So just, just explain what Hive is just briefly and just what was going yeah. on on Steemit and so forth. Steemit first, whatever works for you. Just a bit more lay, layman. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, Hive and Steam both obviously being social media platforms where based on the amount of money, the amount of tokens that you have in your account, your vote is worth more. You can you can add more to people's rewards, or you can take away more rewards. So that kind of is the basic thing. It's it's called you know proof of stake or delegated proof of stake in this case, because then you vote for the people to be block producers as well. But the 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 concept behind proof of stake, especially in the Hive or Steam case, in the white paper, they made it clear that the plan was to use the wisdom of the crowd and harness proof of brain. So the idea being that because everybody's voting up and down on things, we can kind of see what the really popular stuff is. We can kind of see what's what's true, what's false. But then they added the element of, well, but it actually isn't based on how many people are voting. It's based on how much money the people are voting that are voting have in the platform. And when Steam Incorporated first launched Steam, the blockchain, right? Two separate things. When they launched it, the next i don't know the exact details but basically the next day they found out that something had gone sideways and they hadn't been mining a ton of them like they were planning to and other people had a bunch of the initial stake so they reset everything back to zero and relaunched the blockchain and that's called and then they and then also didn't help people like they didn't put out instructions on how to mine it like they're really sneaky for a few weeks so that whole thing is referred to as the ninja mine okay and what and, does that effectively do does that make it uh, unfair in terms of certain individuals having more influence, more power when the whole thing is yeah. reset. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the developers and like the, the team, the people that were involved at the beginning there and like their friends who were able to, or people, the couple of people who were able to figure out how to mine it at the beginning there, because it had a very, uh, you know, negatively exponential mining curve. So it's like at the beginning, you were getting tons every second down to like taking a long time to get a decent amount so they got a bunch of it for themselves in the beginning and then from there they've been able to control everything that happened ever since basically the whole justin sun takeover in 2020 was only able to happen the way it did because justin sun bought the steam and incorporated stake he bought it from them you know backroom deal we don't really know the details but he then immediately had enough stake to control all governance on the platform yeah it sounds like the same thing that happens in the world in uh, the offline space, you know, with the government like taking place on the crypto space. I feel like the crypto space is often a microcosm for what's happening within the world, or what has happened. I mean, you have a look at just the, the, the history of Bitcoin, you know, essentially the first movers were more anarchist leaning. And then over time, this stuff has been um, 
essentially co-opted. You know, we have a Bitcoin core, essentially they have a different vision than the, uh, the white paper. And there's all this crazy shit that goes on, but essentially the actual vision diverts uh, away into what is supported by the masses, which is completely removed. And this is the history of religion. Like you can look at the history of Christianity, how it's going, it started off as a very esoteric branch, right? And then becomes this mainstream thing that has nothing to do with the original version of it. And it's the same thing to some extent that has happened throughout the history of the United States. I mean, the founders particularly had a vision initially. It wasn't the most, it wasn't perfectly, it wasn't perfect, but over time it's completely moved away and become more and more corrupt to the point now where it's literally communism, at least in Australia. But that story that you're telling me about steam it seems to be somewhat similar to what's happened in hive right and seems to happen in general would that be accurate yeah well part of the thing is because hive is simply a continuation of steam sure we never the we never had a fresh start we never had a clean start uh so a lot of the big whales that exist on hive now were from people that benefited from that stake in the beginning sure or people like block trades who who had the big swap thing and they were the main swap to go in and out of steam for years so they're just making fees and then staking that and now he's the largest block or the largest stakeholder on hive is one guy that has like 35 million hive or something like that um but yeah, and then when they did the when they did the hard fork there was a lot of people pushing the idea was to destroy that ninja mine stake everything that was in the steam and incorporated those specific accounts instead of destroying the ring instead of throwing the ring into the volcano like they should have they took the they took the stake and they put it in the the dow you know the decentralized hive fund and it became the funding for the community but that's all based on stake based voting so those handful of people decide where all that funding goes so they just took this this obviously fraudulent stake that's causing all the problems and they took it from steam it and then they gave it to themselves in this pseudo decentralized way sure and now the people that have all the power i would imagine in hive tend to be the people that in our opinion are more corrupt and as a result they are uh fraudulently downvoting people with these uh completely vague justifications you know it's the same kind of stuff youtube does you know they'll they'll take down your video and say that it violates something when it doesn't actually but they're just using it um, they're just making some fake ass justification to do whatever they want. You know, like I know a lot of your content or at least some of the stuff that you've shared has been downvoted with the, I, in fact, I don't even know what the argument has been. Is it that this stuff is not in line with the community standards? I mean, what's the main objection that you're getting here that you're get, earning too much? Cause I know one of the things that happens is people like yourself that have been on this thing on the high blockchain for a long time and have a lot of followers and justifiably are earning a lot because what you're earning is disproportionate to, I guess, a lot of people, you know, in this communist worldview, people say that, well, you, you're, you're not adding enough value regardless of what you put on there because you're getting so much more than other people. And as a result, they downvote you. That, in my mind, would be the justification that some of these uh, corrupt people are, that are downvoting you have. It, would that be accurate? That's part of it. There's, there's kind of a, there's a few layers. Um... So that's definitely part of it. And honestly, that's the, a lot of that is, is some of the more honest downvoters. There's people that just go around and they're like, oh, this is, you know, 800 words and it made 150 bucks. I'm going to knock it down a little bit. And there's people that just kind of, cause there are also, if you look at the top of trending on hive, it's usually shit posts that are at like $400 each because they have a whale that supports them. That's a so there is some, 
yeah. some value there and it, it that's definitely a, a justification that's used uh, there's also the fact that there are no community standards for hive and there's no uh, like you get to, you, it's just consensus. You get so to upload and download as just you will. Upload a dick pic and it'll get like a thousand dollars because everyone's going to be so impressed. Is that, can I do I'm, that? You can Shit, do it. Yeah, you I can upload that? it to Hive. Some of the front ends will ban you if you don't tag it as NSFW. Oh, gotcha. Like the, the front ends and the communities have, have you know, uh, guidelines or they have rules, but Hive itself actually doesn't, which is part of the problem because there's no clarity about this. And everyone's allowed to use your stake. It's for in the white paper, it said like for spam, plagiarism, a few other like real, you know, like uh, child pornography, you know, things like that. And then it said like, and disagreement on rewards. So just and completely subjective, whatever the hell you want it to mean. That's always so, the, the deal breaker. Yeah. So that's been in the rules from the beginning. You know, they like it's not just that they are justifying doing whatever they want. The rules of the game clearly say they can do whatever they want. Yeah, it's it's the vagueness I find within any kind of um, legalese or uh, contractual um, agreements that allows for all the fraud to go on. I mean, in here, here, most recently in Australia, the most ridiculous thing I heard was that where is we've completely suspended any concept of like, it seems like individual rights here, even within the Constitution, right? They've just thrown that away. The, the most recent thing they did that made me go, what? was they've actually targeted a celebrity, a celebrity basketball player, I forget his name, uh, that simply just made a comment in regards to him not supporting what was going on, right? It was very, it wasn't even very strong. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was essentially threatened by some lawyer in the government that any post by a public figure that has the potential to sway an election, right? It is not to be posted. They basically, that post, need, any, any statement needs to gain clearance, right? So it's not a case of, oh, you, you're inciting violence now, which is the, the subjective bullshit they were using before. Like, you're inciting, um, some, you're inciting the people stand up for their, the, standing, stand up for their freedoms. Like, that was the justification the government was using to stop people from protesting against the rights being violated here in Australia, right? Which was crazy. Now they're saying, if you express a viewpoint that is going to influence people in any way that is not in line with what we're putting forward. I just say, oh, I, don't, I think these mandates are ridiculous. We're going to target you now and you may be sued. And this is what a lawyer essentially uh, sent to this famous basketball player. And because this guy is a, a, the kind of guy that speaks up about a lot of stuff and like doesn't have so much money, he's, kind of, he's very independent. He actually made this very public. And now the government's just made, made, made to look like an idiot. They're coming up with all these insane justifications to try to justify what they've done. But it just showed like the idea within the legal framework is there is some level of subjectivity in what you can state publicly. And they've just taken this and expanded upon it to the point where it's just absolute ambivalence to the point where you can say, oh, you can't say that because it might influence that. And it's this kind of like non-definitive subjective legalese that allows for the government to do whatever it wants. And this is what I'm finding is happening all around the world when it comes to this these fake laws that we're implementing yeah yeah, yeah it's it just allows them to do i mean just the it's all emergency mandates and it's all yeah everything is just weird yeah legally yeah. it's all just legally weird Bullshit. magic 
and, exactly. and most of it's just the tv really you know because like they, even if they wrote all these mandates and they wrote all these emergency health whatevers and stuff if they weren't promoting them on tv and radio and newspaper and magazine and facebook and twitter and youtube like if they weren't actively promoting it on every single platform 24 hours a day mm. nobody would care it would just be like how weed has been illegal in most of the world for a long time and still everyone that wanted to smoke weed was more than happy to smoke weed that whole time that it was illegal everywhere Absolutely. like laws don't actually matter to people when it comes down to it that's exactly what i was going to say in my next breath i think it comes down more to consensus and what people want at the end of the day if people don't like something and they know it's 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 wrong they know it's um it's wrong if they want to rather if someone wants to do something it seems that i'm speaking generally here in the status quo space of what's going on, they'll find a way to do it anyway. And they'll try to justify it. This is how the government works. And this is how a lot of people justify. It. Like I've heard some people try to justify wanting to forcibly inoculate me. Right. And I know what they're feeling when they say it, like, Oh yeah. Like they won't say that it's wrong, but you know that they know it's wrong and they will try to justify it because they're scared. But deep down, it seems that people are aware that this stuff is crazy. Some stuff is unjustifiable. Right. Uh, but because there is this element of fear that's been pushed by the media, I'm finding people when you when you suspend their their rational thinking, which is something which is the byproduct of fear, they will um, they will justify anything, and this is the at the heart of the problem. That's why I think this is about a battle of minds and hearts, uh, rather than a battle of trying to explain to people that they're wrong from a legal sense because people don't care about that. And a lot of people just have a morally relativistic worldview. So it's uh it's an it's an uphill battle, but it's good knowing that there are people like you out there that are uh, fighting the good fight and promoting things like the anti uh, anti wax con, which I wanted to get into. That's something that you've been flogging a lot lately. Shame on you for for promoting an anti vax agenda, man. I mean, what what is this? We got to get as many people jabbed up as possible. That's that's the only way. It's the path back to uh, freedom, man. What is this? Yeah, what is this coin yeah, about? What are you trying to do? <laughs> it's a this coin is. To, you know, in a simple sense, it's a meme coin, right? But it's a meme that is, it's not just some random animal or some, you know, some random concept. It's a meme that is like the biggest movement, the biggest emotionally charged thing going on on the planet right now. That's the truth. So it's a meme coin with a lot of potential energy behind it in that sense. And it's really trying to harness that energy. But it's a, and I just say it's a meme coin specifically because like it doesn't have its own blockchain. It's it's not trying to be that kind of thing. It's not trying to be, you know, like a real strong cryptocurrency competitor to fight against Bitcoin. Sure. And so it's not in that realm. Sure. It is a project run by, you know, over the last weeks, I've gotten to know the people behind it. I've been in the Telegram group since the day before launch, I think, or maybe the day of, and lots of conversations, voice chats with the people that founded it, like all sorts of like, and, and berating, like really going deep, like questioning them, challenging them. Like, I don't know you, you need to prove yourself to me. And, yeah. and I feel good about it after that. It's people that have, you know, between them many decades of experience as activists for, for freedom, for freedom of speech, for bodily autonomy, for just a more loving, peaceful and free world. But isn't this the same thing that happened with Steemit and Hive? Not really. Dan Larimer pushed it like he he does sell the message Creator of freedom and stuff uh yeah the, the guy that created the tech but ned and steam it in corporate like ned scott was very much obviously just a corporate guy uh so at best it was like a little bit of both 
And if you dig more into Dan Larimer than just his writings, you see that he worked for DARPA for a really long time and his family's really connected with all of that. And he's sort of like an Elon Musk character, I think, that like says enough real stuff, says enough truth to like keep people listening to him while still leading them down the garden path to technocracy. Okay. Okay. Um, well, does, anyway. does the anti-vax <laughs> coin have any plans to prevent a takeover, prevent the same thing that we saw happening with the uh, with Hive with uh, with Steven taking place that seems to have happened throughout this entire well through the course of humanity. I mean, we, we can't keep on repeating the same stuff over and over again because I hear what you're saying that we have a strong foundation here. These are people that are truly about the freedom. But what happens if someone like me gets a whole bunch of uh, these anti-wax coins? And I believe it's part of the, I mean, I realize it's a little different because it's all about just cr- trying to create awareness and all this kind of stuff. But right. these, these people are, are shit fuckers. And then they, I'm going to change the name of the coin to uh, 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 anti-waxes suck. I don't know. <laughs> and try to, well, uh, to somehow they, fraud you. I realize there's that really that's, no that's way practical, but yeah. I, okay. Yeah, there's, there's really no way in this one because it's not, um, it's not a proof of stake thing. So owning it, all that that does is means that you have more of it. Sure. And, and you can sell more of it or whatever like it doesn't give you any power or any control over anything sure it's a uh, there's there's an actual yeah. it's yeah and it's it's centralized in a sense like there's a team of people who are the developers and stuff and then mm-hmm. there's the community which they're communicate there's a group of us that they communicate in our own private chat very clearly and like we're the people kind of helping guide them and like giving them really strong feedback and also helping promote it and stuff sure but like yeah no, nobody except the people with the dev keys can actually make any changes to anything. That's fair enough. And I think my point is a little bit of a mute point anyway, because at the end of the day, there's the there's always the potential for uh, bad actors. You know, I, I feel like I'm one of these uh, status that's saying, you know, but what if this happens? What if this happens? Yeah, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to do something, right? Uh, the the right. reality is that we have to be ever vigilant against tyranny. And this is not just something that happens in the blockchain, but also in the world. We're seeing this right now. I mean, just because, I mean, some would argue that Australia was one of these very um, most livable country, right, for many years, like five years straight, I think it was, and had uh, uh, like subjectively, you know, like a a very kind of free uh, attitude, you know, towards things. But over the last few years, you know what I mean? It's just become like blatantly in your face, crazy. And that's yeah. because I think we haven't been vigilant. Um, what, what's that phrase that we always hear? You know, that the the, uh, the tree of liberty is needs to be watered by the blood of, you know, the freedom fighters Tyrants, or something that's yeah. 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 Tyrants, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess yeah. what I'm saying is 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 that we have to be ever vigilant anytime we're trying to um, push forward a, an idea. You know, but I think that's yeah. Mm-hmm. And I but, I think that's why that's why I you know. I go about the projects I do in the way that I do, where it's very much about like core, like my gut feeling, like how it actually feels interacting with that, that team and stuff. And then yeah, getting to know the people behind it too. Like, you know, I I don't, I I still have stuff in hive, but I'm moving it out. The only stuff I'll still have in hive is, is Splinterlands, which I know aggro the guy who runs it. He's a great, awesome anarchist guy. Like every, at this point, besides my hive that I'm slowly funneling out, because of the 13 week power down thing, every project that I have money in, I actually know and trust the people running them. There's that's nothing great. that's just like hypothetical, like, oh, this seems like a good idea. Like, it's all like I've actually at least had conversation one or more times and like feel good about the person. And that's, with the, yeah. Yeah. and no, so I, with anti vax, yeah. I want to, I want to hit some, some, we, absolutely, some of the no. cool Pray stuff tell. real let's, fast. Let's go because, into it. Yeah. 
so one of their main things is about it's like raising awareness obviously mm-hmm. uh raising you know it's a, a coin thing and so there's always just trying to get people playing with it and stuff but the goal is really to use this not just to spread awareness about the movement and about people who are who are sharing you know alternative information to the narrative but then to be funding things and so like you know like i asked you if you knew anybody who had lost their their job for not getting the boom shakalaka and you sent someone over and she actually got a donation it, uh, it went through earlier today oh wow. and a couple other people have already gotten donations they haven't even announced this yet they're waiting until they have their first round of people all done and then making one announcement that's awesome uh, and then the next batch is going to be people who were injured by previous boom shakalakas and then they're also doing a thing on Twitter to find people who are on the Freedom Convoy, you know, prove that you're one of those trucks by sending a picture of you with your blah, 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 and then funding the gas for five of those truckers. And this is still a tiny project. Like they haven't even really raised any money yet. And they're already like just to show like, no, this is what we're about. And so as it gets bigger, obviously the people involved, like the people investing get to make money as it, as the price goes up. But more importantly, the amount of money that can be distributed to these awesome projects and to these you know people that need it is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger so it's a meme coin that's also like a charity for Absolutely. freedom fighters and people pushing against medical tyranny that kind of stuff makes my heart sing man it warms the inner sanctums of my soul because that's what we need right now i mean the thing about any kind of movement is the fact that we're able to help each other able to not just stand for what we believe but I can see the the real effects of this coin. And I mean, I, I know someone and, you know, she's been actually in a real tough place. She had to, she's more like gun ho than I am. I mean, she actually, I'm not saying her name, but she can't stand the fact that anyone is taking this thing, you know, and like, it's, it's like uh, I met her and um, we didn't actually know about a status or anything like that, you know, but she, I remember her telling me that if she found out that I had taken this thing, she would have just walked out like straight away. I'm like, what? what that's hardcore it's like lucky i you know i decided to be honest and actually disclose my stat usually i'm like i may or may not have taken the boom shaka lucky you don't know but because she was so like vehemently opposed to this stuff and she was a little confused why i mentioned i was traveling but uh <laughs> yeah i opened up but it's it's interesting um to see that someone like that that has actually taken a stance done the right thing given up their job because they feel, feel so passionately about that they're um yeah they're given an opportunity now to to be helped by like-minded people and it's really beautiful to see that that's the kind of stuff i want to see with this coin so just putting this out to everyone um look if you are at this stage i think you're in this stage at the moment are someone that has been injured but was actually not injured you've lost your job um particularly if you're a nurse uh or actually do do you want to kind of like explain this how, how this works um, well, right now, yeah, the, the first round is almost done with the picking and that's where, where, because I, I am a public figure, uh, and like, I'm in the sense that like all my stuff is publicly, you can see my face is on all my profiles and stuff. So they asked me, uh, to, to help with the transparency of it, be the person to find these people and to vet them. So it's not just the team saying that they gave money to some people that may or may not just be their friends or whatever. Um, so that that's almost done with this first little batch, but then it's going to just be like a consistently ever happening thing and the idea is that they're not going to have to go out and search anymore it will just be like people joining the community whether it's on telegram or twitter or whatever and then Mm -hmm. sharing their story and then as they're as we as they see like oh this person and here's their story cool let's send them some oh this person and it'll be more organic and not have to have like a a central point doing the organizing for it as much that's dope bro that's dope i can really see that taking off because uh one of the cool things about what i do like yourself is i have attracted a lot of uh a naughty anti-waxers so uh, it'll be great to get uh this message out to them and have them be part of this movement i i, I essentially 
um, tag all my videos now with some um, information about how they can get access to this stuff. So uh, I'll put the links below and you guys, you can become part of the, uh, the freedom or anti, isn't it, is that so weird? But the idea that now actually being an anti-waxer is synonymous with, like, it's supposed to be a bad thing when it just means not believing in rape. That's what I say. It's like, we don't like people coercing us to do things that we don't want to do, which is supposed to be mm -hmm. classic, like natural law, common law shit. It's like, no, you got, we're just going to call you anti-waxers now. It's such a freaking OG move they've done. You got to hand it to these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they have been shifting a little bit. The coin is still anti-vax and it's always going to be the, the, the coin is anti-vax. At least I guess maybe I shouldn't say always. I don't know, but they've mm -hmm. shifted the Twitter and a bunch of that stuff to be uh, like black sheep family. Uh, Cause that was already the meme was all about the black sheep and like black sheep matter and I stuff. Be a but... guy. I'd be the perfect face for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you do the sheep sound so well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right yeah. so they, they're, they're doing a little shifting because using the word anti-vax so much was actually getting uh a lot of stuff hidden on twitter and already uh, yeah, after yeah. after just a couple weeks even so hashtag oh bro speaking about all right we're gonna go a little deep now this is the bonus section here so this is gonna be um not for the momos you gotta check us out on the patreon or on odyssey or something like that that doesn't censor the stuff uh let's talk about let's talk about the pandemic <laughs> bro right. as i mentioned you were one of the first people to started like uh sharing actual data in regards to the mortality rate in regards to what was going on first of all if you wanted to give us your understanding of what is going on right now on the, like a more technical front what do you see this thing do you, do you see this thing as being serious mortality rate do you even think this thing is real in terms of an actual virus do you think this thing was made in the lab what are your thoughts go down the rabbit hole conspiracy land what the fuck is going on kp what is going on okay well i first i want to say i don't i don't know right like uh, i i have done a lot of research into this stuff but I'm, I'm still just looking at like what's presented out there so i see a lot of things that say it's never been isolated including official statements from all sorts of places but then i also see documents coming out of the other side about like things that result in having an isolated virus along the way or at least they use the word isolated mm -hmm. but then i've also seen some of the foia requests where there's like back and forth and it's like they're using the term isolated to mean differently than it did previously according to Koch's postulates classic legally so bullshit. yeah <clears throat> i don't know right mm -hmm. uh i feel like certainly with the 24-hour multi-year insane propaganda campaign even if there was no virus whatsoever there was no, it's not 5G. It's not like if there was nothing and it's just the campaign, the placebo effect would have done what we saw. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's probably like, it doesn't matter what the virus is or isn't because what they did with the, with the campaign would still lead to everything else because people would freak out more when they get a little tickle in their throat or whatever. Sure. Uh, that said, the evidence very clearly, which almost too clearly to the point that I feel like maybe it is a, a a derail but like the evidence clearly shows that it was released in a laboratory that was funded oh. by anthony fauci and the niaih or nia yeah whatever uh like it's the wuhan lab the only bsl4 lab in china where they've been doing specifically gain-of-function research on specifically bat coronaviruses where the weekend so first it was the german intelligence had released a report saying that the bsl4 lab no phones weren't going in and out of it for like eight days so obviously something had happened 
this was in like January or February of 2020 when there was only rumors of like, like China having weird stuff and like people were falling on the ground, this report came out. So the weekend or the, the days that this would have happened, that the leak happened is right when the first case now is officially back to about October 16th, 18th, right in there of 2019, which is the exact same time that event 201 was happening, theorizing and role-playing what they would do if a SARS outbreak happened in Wuhan, China. Mm. while the world military games were happening in Wuhan, China. So there were tens of thousands of people from all around the world. there ready to get infected and immediately go back to their countries and make sure that it went everywhere. At the same time, you know, we like, yeah, there's, we don't know, like the tests are fraudulent. Obviously the, the PCR tests are not diagnostic tools. They should not be used to diagnose. And obviously they've been cranking the cycles up and down to make cases appear and disappear sure. as they've wanted. And just to, just to mention that that's actually become official. Whereas that should used to be in the realm of, oh, you might be a conspiracy theorist just perpetuating nonsense. The CDC actually came out and announced that as of the 31st of last year, December, um, PCR tests are not going to be used. Yeah in any kind of um, yeah. governmental capacity for reliability because they can't speak they, between the flu, right? And yep. the no, no, they, they, they announced that they announced that in July or August of last year yeah. with the effective and date of December. They're like, we know they're fraudulent and keep using, using them yeah. for the next four months. See, that's the frustrating thing. There's so much about this stuff that is actually definitive, right? From, from the mainstream sources, right? As far as the CDC, World Health Organization, that should make people go, oh, what the fuck? But even that is being treated by the governments, like Australian government as being conspiracy nonsense, right? Because mm -hmm. there is the things that we do know is that there is clearly an agenda at play where at the very least, because this is what I was saying initially, it became obvious at the very least, they're using this in order to push an agenda, right? But then I learned later on by researching Klaus Schwab, you know, being the head of uh, Bilderberg and all this other sh crazy shit and just looking at all the circumstantial evidence that made me realize, oh, wait a sec. Yeah, uh, this stuff is actually planned. Like this stuff has 100% been cooked up. I don't know about the scientific uh, virus aspects of this thing, but 100% there was an agenda in order to bring this stuff about. And the definitive stuff, which you also made reference to, is the fact that what we're seeing happen right now is... Uh, well, it's it's unprecedented. It's unlawful. It's um, there there are so many fraudulent aspects to it, and this is the stuff that's got me so frustrated because the stuff that you sh we should be able to openly just say, oh, that's fucked up, is just been treated as if it's acceptable, and it's yeah, it, it people just ignore you know, pull, you know pretend yeah. as if it's not even a big deal. Yeah, they pretend if it's as if it's not a very big deal, and they pretend as though talking about the organization behind it is conspiracy theory yeah. when that requires secrecy and we can just look at you know the lockstep documents from the rockefeller foundation event 201 like they they told us publicly in published documents they laid out exactly how they would do these things yeah and it's exactly how they've done it absolutely. so it's like there's no conspiracy like it, absolutely they, they didn't keep it a secret they told you this like this is a launch of a long absolutely. announced project even <laughs> celebrities like russell brand um big big time lawyers like Raina fulmich are coming out to say this kind of stuff right but to be honest yeah. it sounds conspiratorial right but the fact that these people in the mainstream are coming out and saying this stuff because they've seen what's going on, it should just be an absolute eye opener to people. I mean, the stuff, this stuff, there's elements of this stuff that are circumstantial as to whether or not 
you know, these people are trying to kill you and so forth. But between you and I, I mean, we, you know, I presume you know what's going on, that this is obviously an yeah. agenda. But it's at the point now where the evidence is so damning that this stuff has actually been brought up in court because the circumstantial evidence is so mm-hmm. overwhelming. Raina Fulmich has spoken about how they're actually at the point now, like he's been discovering all this stuff along the way. He was like, oh, this stuff must be conspiracy theory. Then he learns this, learns that, and he's like, oh, fuck, this is... This stuff is not just um, a fraud, but these people are actually trying to kill people. And he's made he's made a case about how there's certain batches now. And the fact that they're aware of the, the, the different batches. I mean, when I say they, I'm talking about the people that are behind this stuff and they're still going ahead with this. I mean, you can actually make a legal case now for not just um, civil action, but for actual like you're going to be doing some serious time. So the people behind this stuff. And there is yeah. Rainer Fulmich, one of these lawyers is actually at the point. And I, I mentioned this because in law, in the, the court is where we take all our arguments, all of the conspiracy theorists, all the skeptics, and you have to prove this in court. And we're at a point now where the stuff, the information is so damning that we have big time lawyers that have a class action lawsuit that are actually trying to hold certain individuals accountable. And it's no longer in the realm of conspiracy theory. When people yep. like Robert M- Malone, uh, people, high profile lawyers are coming out. I mean, this guy is... N- this guy's, how can this guy be an anti-waxer? He took the jab. The guy experiences a bad reaction to it. The guy mm-hmm. is one of the main figures behind the, the, the mRNA technology and is coming out, most qualified guy to speak about, saying he doesn't think this is a good idea. And you guys are calling him a conspiracy theorist. What? <laughs> yeah. Bro, um, I think we've laid a case... <laughs> Very clearly that there are elements of this that are to anyone that is being sane that has not drunk the Kool-Aid are just absolutely fraudulent. And it really isn't a question of whether or not this stuff should be going on right now. It's a question of whether or not you were Momo and you were happy with your future kids, the future generation looking at you in the same way that we look at the Nazis and the good, the good people. I forgot the term for it, but the good Germans essentially that would wouldn't say anything essentially to stand up against the tyranny you know they they knew what was going was bad but they just decided to let the stuff happen because yeah. um i think that's what we're seeing now bro but um yeah. look i think we've covered a lot of stuff here um I, i'm bro I'm, I'm so thankful for you taking the opportunity to come on the podcast to talk to me about this stuff and uh one thing i just want to delve into not only are you a fellow anarchist voluntarist but you're also part of the the V gang, yo. At least I believe so. You're yeah. you're a vegan chef. That's what's on your yep. profile, man. That's. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess what a lot of people find difficult about the whole vegan lifestyle thing is like, oh, I can't find anything to eat. I just got to eat like, um, you know, plants and stuff. But you're you're someone that specializes in how to make this stuff tasty. Uh, yeah. How did you get involved in that stuff, man. As a chef, the whole vegan journey. If you just want to give us a synopsis uh, on that, because I'd be pissed off if I didn't go into that with you. Right. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So short version, uh, sure. you know, 20 end of 2012 comes around and I had like this huge life changing experience that led to eating clean food for the first time in my life, like cutting out GMOs, cutting out processed foods, uh, adding kombucha and other fermented foods to my diet every day. My brain started to work for the first time in decades. Like, I, I really started taking care of myself in that way. And along a part of that, because I was still kind of in the Babylon world, more like organic anti, you know, the, the healthy, the clean animal products, the clean meat is really expensive to get stuff that's wasn't poisonous. So meat became really rare in my diet instead of every day. And then at that point, 
every time that I ate meat, I would feel it for like two or three days afterwards. Like I could feel my body, like I would lose energy. My digestion wasn't as good. So I just sort of shifted away from it naturally in this process of finding what food was good for me. And I always found eggs pretty disgusting and I always found milk pretty disgusting. So it was only ever meat that was the thing. And then I don't know, over, it took a couple of years maybe of that. Uh, and there's also the, the like environmental and just economic side of like not wanting to support those things. But then it was just over a couple of years of mostly anarchists that I know or that I had met along the way, like anarchists who were meat eaters, who were triggered like almost immediately, just usually just by like me offering them vegan food. And they would feel like they had to defend themselves by me offering them some food. And I, I would just kind of ask them questions and kind of play with it. And I, I was convinced of the moral argument by the people arguing against it, basically. And uh, a couple of those people I've converted. I don't know if you know Adam Kokesh, you know, the, the, the freedom. Oh, that was your doing. He wrote the book. Yeah. I, I'm only, I can't take all credit, obviously. He's a sovereign okay. being. But yeah, he, he gives me credit for our conversation, starting him down that path largely. Oh, Pat, yeah. I would have loved to have had this conversation with him because I've been, I mean, that's what I, that's something I'm also very passionate about. But that is it's so beautiful to see, brother. But go on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's... Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when I left, when I left the world behind and, and stopped working and all that stuff, it was, you know, me and my backpack and I, I was on my way to Rainbow and I had already, I knew that I liked cooking for people in general and I wanted to explore that more as kind of my offering for Rainbow. So I had just quit my job at Bob's Red Mill where I was working because it was a, you know, non-GMO, everything they have is non-GMO, employee owned, like it was a cool company. I could actually support them. But I was still like, okay, but I don't want to work at all. You guys are cool. I'll still support you, but like peace. Yeah. And I brought, I don't know, six, 700 pounds of food to rainbow, uh, dried beans, dry, you know, all the, all that stuff. And I connected with instant soup, which is a 24 hour vegan kitchen that just cooks food for like a week to three weeks straight, depending on the gathering. And I just started pumping out vegan food all day, every day, having a beautiful time and from there, you know, yeah, just got hooked up with various festivals, cooking for him, cooking for retreats. I, I kind of go through waves where I'm like working as a chef and where I don't cook except like just at home, you know, hosting friends, that sort of thing. That is beautiful, man. That is so powerful to see. I find one of the things that a lot of vegan chicks tend to do when they go vegan is they just share food, you know, food shots. Uh, but you're the kind of vegan, even though you have the ability to do that, right? You're, you're actually speaking about the hard issues dealing with, um, well, freedom, liberty, all that kind of stuff. It's such a rare thing, I find. I mean, to one, one, to find someone that is completely against all forms, you know, like all forms of coercion, all that kind of stuff. So takes on the position of an anarchist, right? I mean, that's a rarity because you, you find people, in my opinion, psychologically, they tend to be very logical, left brain. And more often than not, from my experience, because I've, I've been down with this for like three, you know, three decades, man, most of the people within the vegan community, they tend to have more of a socialist uh, attitude. Like they're more right brains, kind of like bleeding heart liberals. I'm one of them, but I also tend to be logical about shit. And as a result, they adopt the vegan thing. Um, but it's rare to find someone that kind of has both of these sides put together. And I would say that you come in that category because not only are you against the uh, government coercion, all that kind of stuff, but a lot of people kind of assume is the right wing. Oh, you're a Trump supporter kind of bullshit, even though we know they're not really anarchists, right? But then you also have the, uh, the, what most people would assume as being kind of a leftist you know, stance when fundamentally, obviously it's just about not wanting to see, it's just an extension of the principles and applying that to uh, these sentient beings. So 
I just want to say, man, kudos. It is powerful to, to come up with a, a fellow B gang member and a fellow voluntarist, got the double B, and you were, uh, you're just a freaking downright awesome person, man. So uh, thank you for being Kenny Palarantano. Am I pronouncing that right? Palarantano? <laughs> yep. you're, you're Italian, yeah, that's right? right? No, no. no? Well, what is that? What <laughs> is that? That's a name that I, I chose actually when I left Babylon and stopped using the the name that was given to me by someone else on my behalf oh, without my that. permission. Uh, it's oh, actually man. from Tolkien Tolkien's Elvish. Uh, oh wow, that is, <laughs> bro. Well, we I gotta have you on here again, man. We gotta go into that realm because I I'm a big fan of Gerald Tolkien, who's a fellow anarchist. I'm a big fan of the wizardry. I'm a big fan of the esoteric schools of thought, which I also know that you you dabble into. But bro, we, um, we got to pick this up again. We've already gone over one hour mark, but you were a fascinating person. You were a scholar, you were a gentleman. You are a fellow truth seeker amongst many things, the traveling anarchist, something I've been trying to do lately. And it is an absolute pleasure to have you uh, come on the podcast, brother. I look forward to uh, seeing you do amazing things. Thank you, Kenny. Kenny, well, is there anything, you, that you want, any, anything else that you want to share with us? I mean, if people want to get a hold of you, I'll, I'll put your details down. But um, is there anything you want to drop before we end this session? Um, one quick thing, just because it was kind of the last topic there. Uh, at the Greater Reset, there was a group that was representing and they had a whole rally in town in a potluck called uh, Vegans for Freedom or Vegans Against Agenda 21. So there's actually, that's a movement that I, I'm pretty sure Derek actually started, or at least he, he started really bringing people together. Derek Rose, another vegan anarchist. Um, but that's a whole movement that's now starting to kind of help, help funnel people away from that Bill Gates processed soiling green veganism and towards you no, know, like you can, you can not kill animals to eat and also not poison yourself with yeah. eugenics programs. Also stand for um, it's about the double V, right? The vegan and the voluntarist. It's about the left brain and the right brain. It's about that alchemical wedding, bro. That's what I like to say, but that's fucking awesome. I feel like you and I were, were both, um, I advocates for this kind of stuff, you know, and kind of like paving the way in this whole kind of new uh, kind of more conscious uh, freedom agenda, because the freedom agenda has kind of been obfuscated, you know, by, by I would say the, the, the mainstream is, is being something that is only about all you being selfish and not caring about the planet, about the animals. That's what I loved about the abundance tribe. I remember reading the, uh, the Maxime, whatever it was for it. And yeah, it's got this holistic understanding of things. Don't just be about me, me, me be about compassion and working co collectively together, but also understand the concept of sovereignty, which I, I very much resonate with. So um, once again, brother, it yeah. is an absolute pleasure uh, just having you, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the interwebs, man, and being able to connect with you. And I have no doubt once things get better, I will be able to, uh, to travel out of here. I mean, I, technically, um, you know, I'll, I'll make this public. I can actually leave at the moment. I can leave the country. It's just a matter of being able to uh, sustain myself find a place that I can go to where things aren't going to just blow up on me and a country that's actually going to accept me. So I may, I may end up joining you brother in, in due time. And uh, perhaps we can, uh, we can link up or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be beautiful. I, I know quite a few Australians here, uh, here in Mexico. So, and there's a lot of places where you won't see a single mask, not, not Morelia, but there's a lot of towns in Mexico where you won't see a mask. It's not a thing. COVID doesn't, isn't there either. So that's good to know. Oh, yeah. Well, but yeah, man, thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, I'm really glad that we finally got to, to you know drop in and have a, a more real chat where we can see each other's faces and we're not just like typing. And that's all it's always been fun. I've always really enjoyed your content, every piece that I've taken in and all the conversations we've had. And yeah, it's uh, been a pleasure 
knowing you thus far and i look forward to you know getting to know each other better moving into the future and thank you all for tuning in everybody out there much love to all you beautiful humans too my man too much praise for me but thank you i really appreciate that man and you've also been a source for me to steal lots of cool information from <laughs> i also want to on a more grander note man like you i do find your you your work you know really inspiring man and it's a it's a pleasure to be able to be connected to you thank you for the opportunity you're one of the people that accepted me into the abundance drive and allow me to make more content and actually get rewarded for it. I'm like, what, what I can make money from making posts. What this cryptocurrency thing is like a real thing. I, I, I can actually make money rather than just leaving it somewhere and hoping it rises. So uh, for people out there that want to spread content about, well, anything for that matter, realize that there are alternatives. Um, maybe Hive may not be the ideal alternative right now, but uh, just, just follow this guy, Kenny, Kenny P over here, and he'll keep you up to date with all the cool innovations going on on the crypto space and beyond. All right, until next time, I always like to say Surya Namaskar, Namaste, means I salute the sun and I bow to the divinity that is manifest within you, Kenny P, and everyone else watching this. Until next time, peace be upon your butt cheeks, peace in the Middle East. Thank you once again, Kenny. You are a scholar, a gentleman. I appreciate the frack out of your activism. Signing out. Ow! My man. All right, I'm going to leave it there and love yeah. you and say goodbye. Thank you so much for, for coming on, Kenny. I'll be in yeah, touch, thank right? Thank you, brother. It's a blast. I'll have this out in the next uh, next half a day, and uh, it'll be on all platforms, even the dreaded two, bro. Got to get as many people right. as you can, and I'll keep you posted, all right? Heck yeah. Thanks, brother. Out, brother. Have a beautiful day, man. We'll do. Peace. You won't work it. Don't make the rest. You won't make it. Oh.